0: All right, we are finally closing up our latest series here, You Don't Have What It Takes. And for those of you who have been following along, you know that uh, what we've been doing is looking at different lies that Satan tells us. Because one of the things that Satan wants you to do is he wants to put burdens on your back that you were not meant to bear. He wants you to do things that only God can do, and then he's going to watch you fall under it. And we tend to just pick those things up and run with them. But the truth is, is that there are many things that you just don't have what it takes. You gotta hand it to God. And one of those things is that you can't control the future. The future is ever out there, always looming, but you just can't control it. Now we're gonna do a little experiment here. Uh, have you ever been in an interview or had anybody say to you, "Where do you see yourself five years from now?" Well, we're gonna. You've done that, right? Okay. Well, we're going to do a little twist to it, okay? Right now, I want you to go back to July 11th, 2005. Just kind of go back, back to the future here. See, George Bush was president. Uh, Who won the World Series in in five? Was it the White Sox? Somebody's got to know. Okay, what was happening in your life? Where did you work? Where did you live? What was was going on? And now, once you've gotten yourself in the place, now that your mind is back in July 11th, 2005, I want to ask you this question. What do you see your life like five years from now? Back then, what did you see your life like? All right, everybody just raise their hand. So everybody, just put one hand in the air. Everybody put one hand in the air. How many of you saw yourself five years later living in the exact house that you are in right now? Well, that takes care of a good amount of the crowd. How many of you five years, ago, five years ago saw your health being exactly what it is? And that could be worse or better. It could be either way. How many of you saw yourself driving this car that you're currently driving? Okay, we've got a few more going there. How many of you saw, saw yourself And the job, you you said, Boy, five years from now, I want this job. I plan plan to be here, and you're there. You're still, you're in that job. Boy, I don't think we have any. The future, you can think about it and you can plan for it, but you can't control it, can you? I'm assuming that you put some effort into this. See, what happens with the future is we normally tend to do about three things either one, we are worrying about the future. We're like, what's going to happen? And how's this going to, oh, I don't know. And if we worry long enough, it just, not only does it take an emotional toll, but it takes a physical toll on you. On you. I mean, you, you, you will feel the physical effects of worry. Or else we try to manipulate things and manipulate people to get the future that we want. But of course, in the process of manipulating people, we begin to ruin relationships. And things begin to fall down around us. Or for some of us, we just try to avoid the future. We just say, Pollyanna, it's going to be okay. And I'm not going to think about the future. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And I'm just, I know that it's all going to turn out all right. And yet you have no plan. And eventually what happens is the consequences of having no vision and having no thoughts and trying to avoid the future, the future has a way of kind of creeping up on you, doesn't it? Eventually it arrives. All right, if we can't control the future then what can we do? Well, the first thing that we can do is we can plan for the future. Now, you got to have a plan. You may, may not be able to control the future, but you at least need to start off with a plan. Now, how many of you have heard this saying, prior planning prevents poor performance? I'll try to say that three times fast. I don't know that you can, but it's prior planning prevents poor performance. Or how about this one? Failing to plan is planning to... Okay, we've all heard those before. I mean, th- those are common things uh, that you hear probably in your place of work. But God's word really says pretty much the same thing. Proverbs 21, five says that the plans of the diligent lead to profit. As surely as haste leads to poverty. What God is saying is that in the, in the college of life, you can't be an undecided. No undecided majors. You need to have some type of direction. The things that you're doing today, the decisions that you're making, they are going to alter the course of your future. Now, you may not be able to steer a complete straight line, a beeline to where you think you're going. In fact, where where you think you're headed may not be where you end up going. But you at least have to start with a plan. And once you start with that plan, God, who is ordering your steps, will begin to direct you maybe in a different place. But if you don't go out and take that very first step, then you're never even going to get started. You're not giving God even any material to work with. And so the first thing you've got to do is have a plan. Now once you have that plan, though, you need to make sure that that plan is aligned with God. That it's aligned with who He is. In fr- Proverbs 16.3 it says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. Now, The plan will succeed if you have committed it to the Lord. And by committing to the Lord, that means that you've gone through and you've said, God, what do you want me to do with this? If you've got a decision, part of your plan is to buy a house. Have you thought through whether or not God wants you to have this house right now? Whether this is the right time? Whether it fits with the priorities that he has for you? Maybe you're looking at at a job, a new job, or changing jobs. Is that something that God wants you to do? Does it fit within what he has laid out? Or is this just being driven by yourself? You're dating, you're thinking about getting married. Again, what does God have to say? In all of the decisions, and all of the plans, we need to bring them before him. Really, you have to start to say, why is it that I am desiring this thing in the first place? Why am I wanting to lay this out as my plan? What's the real agenda? What's the real motives? What, what's driving all of this? And then how will that plan end up serving his kingdom? How can God use wh- where I think I'm headed? How does, that, how does that serve him? If we haven't thought through those things, then we're going to end up going in the wrong direction. We're going to have the wrong plans. And this starts with going to God's word. You've got to dig in and know what he says you got to know what he's all about. you need to know what his priorities are. And when you do that, you're going to be able to lay something out. You know, I've run into this all the time. People who are, are dating somebody, and, and they're a believer. They believe in Jesus Christ, and they're following him and his principles. And yet the person that they're dating is not. And the scriptures are crystal clear on this. God says, I don't want you to be unevenly yoked. I don't want you to be paired with somebody who has wildly different values because I know what happens when that happens. And so if you're walking down here, it, really quickly, that can guide your plans. I remember one lawyer who um, was connected to a, a church I knew of. And, and uh, this lawyer was out and I mean, he, he made a, a great living. He was a little under 200,000 a year. And uh, when it came to tithing, when it came to giving back, his 10%, his first fruits, he, he just, he couldn't do that. But he, he still, he wanted to keep with the spirit of it. And so his plan was, is that I'm not going to do that now. I'm not going to give, I'm going to kind of take from God now, but I'm going to put that money away and, and, and some investments I have. And then someday when those investments come to fruition, then I'm going to give all that tithe back and then even some more. But I, I want to kind of do this thing first. That was his plan. But did he bring his plan back to God's word? Did he bring his plan back to the spirit and the very heart of what God calls about giving your first fruits and trusting in him? We've got to make sure that we have aligned. But now, here's the tricky thing. How do you really know when you have aligned your plans? I mean, you can go and you can read the scriptures, but here's what I found is that when we do this on our own, it is so easy to just kind of come up with your own thing. You, you, just, you justify things. And so to, have, to make sure that your plans are aligned with God, you've got to seek out godly counsel. Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Now I'm going to go out on a limb here, and uh, I know this sounds kind of crazy, but there are some people out there who don't know how to search on something, search something on Google. They don't know how to text. But even that aside, they actually have wisdom. They could actually speak something into your life, even though they don't know and have access to the fundamental source of all knowledge and all wisdom that we have in our world today. Some of them have hairs that are graying, which I think is also another reason that we would not tend to look at them. But there are people out there who have wisdom, who have lived longer than us. And we need to seek them out. We all need godly counsel when we're making plans and, and making decisions. You know, this has been something that I, like I think back to when I was a kid and uh, and just, the, you know, high school and and, and going to college. And uh, I just, you know, I didn't think the people who were older than me, you know, there's a few I, I give a little bit to, but most of them I just, you know, I didn't think their lives were where they needed to be, and I didn't think they knew what was going on. But it's something about how life goes on. You start to learn how little you knew back when you were younger. And I think that's kind of the way wisdom, you know, develops over time. I thought about this the other day. Like, right now, I'll tell you, I believe. I, I trust God's word. I believe everything that is found in here. But when I really search myself, when I really search the way I kind of think and the way my My mind wants to gravitate. There are some things in here that I guess I don't truly, fully believe. Like, I I want to trust God, and I'm going to take the steps to do it. But but part of me kind of goes, I don't know if that's really going to work. But the older I get, the longer I go, the more I find that God's word is true. You know, Solomon really kind of figured out the same thing. You guys know that Solomon, he was was labeled, labeled in the Bible as the wisest king who ever lived. And Solomon had vast resources at his disposal. And so Solomon, he, he was a learned man. He would learn everything that he could. And he would explore everything in his world. He, he explored the heights of pleasure. He had a thousand wives and concubines. He would go out and he experimented with drugs. He worshipped other gods and, and, and worshipped idols at different times. He went out and he built uh, arch- great feats of architecture. The, the first temple was built by Solomon and his people. He would go out and he was, he was a renaissance man. He would he'd build gardens, all this stuff, all this vast learning. And as Solomon gets towards the end of his life, and he looks back on all the things that he's done, and all the places where he's experimented, all the times that he's tried to cross over God's lines, this is basically what he did. He sums up, his life is ultimately meaningless. He says, the only thing that's true, the only thing that can guide you is for you to fear God and to keep his commandments, because by that time, he realized that all the things that God has given us are for for truth, and anything that we don't step into, is just beating our heads up against a wall. What you need to do is find people in your life and put them in your life that have godly values. Just because somebody's older does not mean that they are wise, but when you find people with godly principles and you notice and you look around them and they have good relationships that are surrounding them. Wherever they go, they have positive relationships with other people. And you see them succeeding in the areas that you would like to succeed, then you need to set up an appointment with them. You need to go and ask their advice and ask them about decisions that you're making. And understand that I think sometimes we're afraid to do this because we're like, well, if they give me advice that I really don't like then, and I don't do it, I'm going to offend them. No, oh, t- just go to them. You know, ultimately, you're going to make your own decision. And they may not have all of the evidence and all the things, but go to them and to others. Get a multitude of, of people around you. And then suddenly, you're going to have the kind of wisdom necessary to make wise decisions. And you're going to find yourself guided in the right path. All right, well, you've, you can't control the future, but you've got to have a plan. But you also have to embrace the future. The future's coming. Change is happening. Even as we now sit here, we are changing. Our bodies are changing. Everybody who has kind of crossed over that line somewhere in 20 to 25, we're all on the downward trend right now, okay? We're in a state of change and flux. To get to where we're going, though, we have to leave and be willing to leave both the past and the present so that we can arrive in the future. When God was looking out, he spoke to a man named Abram, who later became Abraham. He is the father of the, of the nation of Israel, and he is our spiritual father. An account of him is found in Genesis. It says that the Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. And the rest of his story is revealed in in a a later book in the New Testament called Hebrews. There it says, By faith, Abraham, when 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 called to go to a place, he would later receive as in his inheritance. He obeyed and he went. Even though he did not know where he was going, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, those were his sons, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Abraham, he ventured out. When God spoke to him and said, I want you to go, he went, he obeyed. Even though he was living a place where he was a wealthy man, Where he had all of his family and he had all the securities. When God said, I have something else for you, he went there without fully understanding what it was, without knowing the plan and the process or how long it would take. When God called, Abraham went. And then when he went there, along the pathway, he's living in tents. There's no immediate gratification. There's no God, all right, we're doing this. How how much longer till we get this promised land and all of the blessing that flows from it? When's this gonna arrive? Now you don't know. That's I mean, the future is risky. Who knows what's gonna happen? Especially when you're leaving where you're at. You at least know, you know. You know the, the monsters you're dealing with, with with now. You don't know what around the corner. But to truly embrace where God wants us to be and to truly embrace his future, we've got to be able to venture out. You see, ultimately, what gave him the ability to do this was that he trusted in God. He believed in God. He said, God will fulfill what he has laid out in his promise. And I expect that there's better things in the future because God is at the source of it there's a passage that you're going to you hear regularly it's like every other week we end up putting it out there because it is such a powerful uh, passage it's it's really from it's right from God God speaking to the prophet Jeremiah said for I know the plans I have for you plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future when you walk out and you obey God he promises that there is hope and a future where you are headed. Now, he doesn't guarantee the pathway. He doesn't guarantee that it's always gonna be easy, but he guarantees that there is hope and a future for you, and he also promises you that, that, that if you go the other direction, there's only death, only frustration, only pain and suffering. For some of us, right now, we're in a place. Your current present, or your past, is something that you need to leave. Maybe spiritually you're in a spot where, where you've kind of felt those tuggings. Something has drawn you here. Somebody invited you, and maybe you never would have come here and darkened the door of a church, but somehow you found yourself here. Maybe you just feel like I'm, I'm kind of hitting a weak point in my life, but I'm here. And then you hear these messages and, and something hits you, and you you feel this, and there's a party that almost wants to just kind of run. And yet you've come back again and again. What you're feeling. Is those tuggings. You're feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the drawing of God, God drawing you to Himself. And yet you're kind of holding on. And right now, His call is to leave. To just do even something as simple as taking that green What's Up card and marking on there, I want to talk to a pastor. I want to learn a little bit more about what it means to be a Christ follower. I'm not there yet, but I want to learn a little bit more. We've got a safe environment. I want to encourage you, take that next step. Continue to leave where you're at. Maybe you're a follower. You're a follower of Christ, but yet there's some areas in your life that you're not following. There's some moral grounds that you've kind of kept hidden and tucked away. And you know exactly, I say it, and now the Spirit just pops it right into your mind. And you know exactly what it is. You've got to leave. You say, but if I leave, I just don't know how to leave. And there's something that this keeps giving back to me. And and life feels so dry without this activity or without this person or without this thing. And I don't know how I will cope without it. Trust God to leave where you are at. Trust in him to sustain you as he takes you from that place. Or maybe the place that you leave is literally a physical place. You need to leave the job that you are currently in because God has something else for you in store. Maybe you need to leave uh, even the, the region. Maybe it's, maybe it's leaving you know, on a journey or an, or an adventure. Or maybe you're even beginning to feel the first tugs towards some type of, of greater ministry that God has in store for you. Continue on that path. Listen to him when he speaks. And trust God. I mean, really, that's at the core. If you're going to embrace your future, you've got to trust God with that future. If you trust him, you say, I know where he's going, but you've you got to trust him with the day-to-day details. I heard this one quote, and it's anonymous. I don't know who it's from. I thought it's so powerful. It says, I know not what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. That has to be the mantra that you say. I don't know what the future holds, but I do know who holds the future. I know who's ultimately in control. Going back to Proverbs again, it says, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. In another place in Proverbs, it says, In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. Make your plans. Go out there and align them and and get wise counsel on it and be willing to embrace and venture out. And then trust God with those details, with all the little steps. Trust that once you start walking on there, even though you kind of had this vision, know that in the process, he will guide you along that path and and sidestep you here and guide you around and you'll go through a patch where like, I don't know why I'm going through this and this is hard and this is what I expected. But it's God's boot camp preparing you to do even greater things and to have more peace and more joy in your life. Another quote that I heard. Happy people plan actions. They don't plan results. People who have, have joy in their hearts. There are people who are out there. They're plan- making actions. They're, they're planning their actions. But they know that they ultimately can't plan the full results. There's no guarantee of that in the future. But how do you do that? How do you go through life... And make all those plans when you and start to put the actions in when you don't know what the future holds. Well, it begins by making sure that you focus your priorities and your and your attention on the present, on right now, on what you have to do today. When Jesus was teaching and he was looking out of the crowds, what he saw was a group of people who worried. They were constantly chasing after this, chasing after that, never keeping their priorities at the top because they were so stressed out and concerned about what was coming around the corner. Never handing those things to God that needed to be handed to God. And so looking out to them, standing on a mountain with the crowd sitting under him, he told them, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans... For those who don't believe in God, they run after all of these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But you, but you who, who love me, love my Father, you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these things, all the worries, he's going he's to take care of those. He'll give those to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Our future is determined by the steps that we take today. We trust him with that future. And then we focus on what is it that thing that we need to do today? What are you going to do the rest of the day today on Sunday? Tomorrow, when tomorrow arrives, what do you need to do? What's the couple things that, that are core that you have to get done? And anything beyond that, don't worry about it. And, and here's how you do this. Those things that you normally worry about that you don't have any control, that you can't fix right now in the moment. Because if you can fix it in the moment, then do it. Don't worry about it. Go out there and change it. But if it's something that you can't because it's something that you're concerned about in the future, then you hand that to God. And you do that by, by praying. You give it to him. Hey, God, I... I am so worried that I'm going to lose my job. You've been hearing stories, stirrings in the company, and I don't know what to do here. And if I lose this, then this is going to happen, and I lose that, and I don't know if I can find another job like this. And God, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm, I'm just giving you my job right now. You know what's happening, and I don't know. And I just, I don't even know whether or not, you know, to say, keep it or not. I mean, maybe you have something better in, in, in store for me. But Lord, I give you the future of my job. And then today, work hard in your job. Today, do the tasks that you're called on to do. With total freedom and peace, you can, you can just work as though you're gonna work there the rest of your life. Or maybe in your marriage right now, you're sitting in a spot where you're like, I don't even know if I wanna invest in this anymore. And yet you kind of hear this little voice going, hey, you made some vows, not so much to your spouse, but to me. Remember the altar? Remember the vows you said to have and to hold? And you're like, I know, but I don't know if I can bear up with this person anymore. And and, and they, I'm supposed to trust them and try to take these next steps, but how can I trust that what they're going to do? God, I pray that you just take my marriage, that you take all of these things that I can't control and this other person that I can't control. And Lord, Show me what I need to do today so that I can be a faithful spouse, so that I can remove the log that's in my own eye, so that I can begin to change me, the only thing I can control. Lord, I give you my spouse. Down the road, each decision, each issue that you face, if this, is the ma- this is it's like magic. When you begin to do this, you will find that the worries begin to leave. And not only do the worries leave, the things that you realize you were worrying about before you handed it to God, he really does take care of this stuff. This isn't some type of power of positive thinking thing. This is about engaging with a real, living, active God who will step into your life and will move things forward. The truth of the matter is, is that you cannot control the future, but you can go to the one who holds the future in his hand. Heavenly Father, This morning we have heard things from your word. Not stuff that was conjured up in a back room, but timeless words. Words that are two, three, four, five thousand 5,000 years old that you gave to prophets, that sometimes you spoke, gave through your son. Words that are timeless. Words that allow us to engage with you and to experience you working in our lives. And so right now, I pray that you give each one of us the courage to just hand over these things that we cannot bear, to give you the future, and then to be able to have joy and contentment and peace just doing the things that you've called on us to do today. It is in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.